It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I'd like to welcome everyone in the audience today and thank you for taking time to be with us as we help public, private, and nonprofit organizations tackle important broadband issues, uh, getting broadband everywhere it needs to be. Uh, recently, I had um, the founders of Air.U on the show, and they described their initiative that's actually genius in its simplicity. Uh, Gig.U, somewhat related, but it's a different program, is making a, is making a big splash uh, with research universities that are um, playing with the technology to, to test out potential applications for gigabit networks. Air.U is taking things from a different perspective where they are focusing on putting broadband structure and infrastructure into place and exploring appropriate applications um, while they're they're building the infrastructure. And to make this whole process more affordable, they have proposed looking at TV white space as the wireless technology of choice uh, in their particular initiative. One of Air.U's um, partners is the United Negro College Fund, and um, they have raised money for and represent the interest of historic black colleges and universities here in the U.S. Um, our guest today is uh, the organization's vice president uh, for operations and technology, Robert Rucker. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. <clears throat> Glad we'll be able to um, to chat about this very important issue. Glad to be with you. Yeah. So let's uh, let's start with um, a basic overview of uh, what the uh, United Negro College Fund is and uh, what issues you address. Yeah, particularly as it pertains to broadband, but you know, just give us a general sense of the organization. Uh, the United Negro College Fund, uh, UNCF, is a 70-year-old organization um, chartered <clears throat> in 1944 to um, help uh, historically black uh, college and universities um, raise support uh, funding, if you will, for their operations and administrative expenses. It's something that UNCF has been uh, very successful at uh, over the past decades, and uh, this opportunity that we're discussing today falls uh, right in line. UNCF is very active in advocating on behalf of HBCUs, uh, their students, surrounding communities, and their uh, broader constituent base. Um, this is an opportunity we feel that, <clears throat> again, um, greatly aligns uh, with uh, the work that we do in that um, the acquisition of this very valuable asset uh, will have an, extra an extraordinary uh, impact and a cascading impact, we hope, on not only the institutions themselves, but their ability to fulfill their goals and oftentimes objectives in serving the broader community base. UNCF uh, provides a varying uh, array of support uh, in technology and direct funding for schools and scholarships, uh, internships, um, fellowships. Um, it's a very vast, if you will, um, a portfolio and suite of offerings. Mm -hmm. So now before we uh, we went live, you know, I asked you the question about, um, you know, does your group, department, um, uh, you know, get actively involved in the technology uh, needs and initiatives of the of the colleges that you represent, and maybe just we could recap some of that, you know, some of your comments from that as well in terms of, you know, specifically speaking to technology, where you, where your group plays a role. Well, uh, yes, absolutely. Again, uh, under the the broader umbrella of UNCF support, we are always. Uh, assessing the needs of our individual and, and collective member community. Uh, to that extent, <clears throat> we are looking for ways that we can uh, help fulfill their uh, um, 
goals and objectives in serving uh, students on their campus and again the surrounding community. So we are looking for opportunities to represent the consortia, if you will, in <coughs> acquiring resources and support that would be beneficial for them. This can uh, include, again, direct funding, but um, uh, more importantly or equally importantly, uh, oftentimes hardware, a software for operating systems, support for data centers, and again, broader, um, looking at uh, telecom needs, if you will, and uh, infrastructure needs. And how can we, as a representative body um, of those institutions, go about the business of identifying resources and closing gaps in their need uh, to supplement uh, their ongoing efforts to uh, provide the technology necessary for them to operate their campuses and and do the very important work that they do um, in uh, in educating uh, educating these young folks and and, and students of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the um, <clears throat> I've written actually a couple of books about wireless and mobile business strategy. A lot of it centered around using uh, mobile devices and so forth. But um, at the time, 2001, when I was writing the, the first book on wireless, um, I looked at um, UC Berkeley and Stanford universities. Um, Stanford was being very aggressive at using wireless and mobile technology in the classroom. Cal at the time was aggressively looking at making uh, wireless available across campus as a way for students to get connected. And I'm sure they've, you know, obviously in 10 years have evolved a lot since then. But what would, in a general sense, what would you say are some of the major uh, initiatives that your member colleges are doing, either in the area of using uh, wireless and mobile as, as a way to facilitate education or the educating process, and, and what ways are they using the technology to facilitate access? Well, you know, I, I would like to, to say that um, historically um, black college and universities uh, operate under the same principles as the Stanfords and the Cal Berkeleys and, and the MITs. Uh, historically, mm -hmm. they've just not had access to the same uh, resources, if you will, uh, that those other institutions uh, that you mentioned uh, have. So the desire to provide um, connectivity, if you will, the desire to fully leverage information age, information age resources, um, is uh, present uh, in the HBCU Academy uh, as it is in, um, uh, in other uh, areas of the educational sector. Um, to that extent, again, these schools have <clears throat> been somewhat challenged in having the investments, uh, internal and external, to take advantage of some of the same opportunities. Uh, it's also worth noting that uh, many of these schools, uh, the HBCUs, if you will, are uh, located in the south. Um, quite a few are in rural areas that have not had the infrastructure investment uh, from uh, the external marketplace to uh, build out uh, the uh, technology capability to then leverage with the, on, on campus. So. <clears throat> The desire of the schools to uh, fully leverage information age resources, um, to have uh, fully um, functional digital platforms is present, uh, as it is with, uh, with most schools. Um, the ability to uh, meet the expectations of, of new millennial students um, is the same as well. Uh, so these schools are, are very much about the business of, <clears throat> excuse me, of being able to provide information, age, um, access, and resources uh, in, in a digital form, uh, the digital platforms, if you will, and fully leveraging mobile technology um, to ensure um, that the students are provided the same um, benefits, if you will, of, of, of access and exposure uh, that they would on uh, any other campus to the extent that the surrounding infrastructures uh, provide the foundation for them to adequately leverage those technologies. Um, certainly, mobile technology and <clears throat> digital application um, are present on these campuses, perhaps not to the extent um, 
equitably as it would be uh, perhaps on some of the ones that we've mentioned, but uh, certainly smart classrooms um, uh, being able to extend the classroom beyond the physical parameters of, of the campus um, is something that is, is being leveraged uh, on a daily basis. And uh, online, distance education, these things are prevalent as well. Um, and, and these are areas where uh, HBCUs are uh, remaining competitive and or trying to ensure that they <clears throat> become as competitive as they can be, again, uh, respective of new millennial expectations. This is uh, this is pretty interesting. So in, um, there's a couple things, you know, I was listening to what you're saying, so there's a couple things, um, I, you know, I find interesting, which is, one, the um, – that you are vulnerable because of the location and because of being in rural areas to the lack of infrastructure overall. Um, in other words, in, 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 in some of these rural areas and lower income areas and so forth. And um, I'm assuming that that was one of the drivers for getting involved with Air.U because Air.U's philosophy seems to be, well, it is actually, uh, is, is that we have um, lots of colleges in rural America, small town America, the lack of infrastructure which has plagued, you know, the average consumer or the average small business in these communities also affect colleges. And but because colleges are, are a key part of the community, then their their move is to take is to use colleges as kind of the lever to get technology into places where it isn't currently. Am I reading that correctly? Uh, absolutely. I think we're familiar with the term of, of a, a campus community, if you will, and they exist throughout the country. Um, state colleges um, often uh, create a, a feel, if you will, and a reality of a campus community. Uh, HBCUs are no different in that, in that regard, other than perhaps um, uh, the surrounding infrastructure. Uh, these schools are often hubs of the surrounding community. They're often the key employer of, of the surrounding community. Uh, the ability to attract uh, external uh, faculty, external investment, if you will, uh, as well as, as clearly the student population is, is uh, somewhat uh, impacted, if you will, by um, <clears throat> the expectation of of, of what the life on campus um, uh, will will provide, and uh, while it's not exclusively a, a campus um, uh, challenge, again uh, the surrounding uh, community, the infrastructure. We've seen the commercials. Hey, can you hear me now? Um, while that's done somewhat tongue in cheek in some of these communities, that's that's quite a reality. And to the extent that <clears throat> you want to provide not only faculty and administrators, the students as well, with the um, uh, uh, most robust opportunity, if you will, for exposure uh, in an educational environment, uh, not having the requisite infrastructure for a school to leverage uh, provides an ongoing challenge, which is uh, a somewhat uh, creates a vicious cycle, if you will, uh, does the investment come first, uh, or, or uh, can the investment uh, leverage existing opportunities? Um, we're talking about this within an educational framework, but it clearly uh, impacts uh, public uh, safety, um, uh, health care provision, um, and uh, all of the other uh, components, if you will, that make up a thriving community um, environment. So yes, uh, the last mile, digital divide, these uh, types of, of references are very much applicable <clears throat> to these communities. And uh, investment has been something that um, has been challenging with regard to enticing uh, providers, if you will, of these services to make the requisite investment and showing that there is a reasonable return on investment or an an acceptable return on investment for them, in fact, to uh, invest in, in connectivity for these uh, uh, communities who um, will then uh, be able, if you will, again, to leverage that like other communities 
into a much broader and fuller um, community uh, community experience. So uh, where a lot of, not all, but where a lot of HBCUs are located outside of the urban centers and, again, in, in more rural communities. And that goes back to their founding um, as to uh, uh, why they were founded, uh, the populations they were founded to serve were rural, agricultural, farming, and at the time, uh, very often, where the uh, student population did not have uh, other options. So they were somewhat isolated and within themselves as self-contained entities. Communities oftentimes grew up around uh, the HBCU, but um, the infrastructure investment has not always caught up or or stayed uh, current. So, yes, what we are looking at is an opportunity to um, address uh, a need that exists in an underserved or underserved uh, rural areas that uh, we are confident um, will be able to be leveraged <clears throat> to not only provide a a broader and more robust and fulfilling educational experience, but also, again, cascade into public safety, um, uh, health care, um, uh, and, and, and the other areas of, 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 again, just general community life that will um, be uh, further leveraged for additional investment and uh, be able to provide these communities with the same type of experience and opportunities that are experienced elsewhere. Okay. Um, we actually have a call in. Uh, I'm going to try to patch this one through and see uh, what question one of our listeners has. Hold on a second. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation. Can I help you? Yeah, I'll listen to the conversation. I really wholly approve of this, this project, this wireless project, that is, of uh, including the surrounding and as I understand it, surrounding rural areas that don't have this infrastructure at this point. And you know, it's funny that you mention that. I have a, a friend of mine whose mother stays in Mississippi, and she can see the interstate highway standing on her porch, but they don't have Internet service provided there in her community. Wow. And that's in 2012. But my question is: Is that why should not these HBCUs have the best in the latest in technology? I understand that uh, uh, there's, a, I think it's a university in Nebraska, maybe that's offering drone uh, technology, drone pilotship to students. And when you look in these classrooms, we're not present. So why come our HBCUs don't uh, get into the mode of providing this? A futuristic technology training for our children, and also become more business oriented. Whereas uh, in these mega populations, where you know African Americans are present, but when you look at the businesses and those uh, infrastructure and firms that provide the consumables, you know we're not doing that. Uh, what better way to put our folks to work? Mm-hmm. Robert, you want to take that? Because actually, the the particular technology that that or that by the way, what you call the call. What's your name? First name? My name is is Pianchi, by the way. Okay, hi. How are you? And again, thank you for calling in. Um, but I haven't heard of that technology, and Robert, maybe you have, and can definitely better answer it than I can. Well, there there are a couple of things. Um, uh, again, HBCUs in general are I, I wouldn't categorize as. Um, deficient in all regards of, of, of technology. This is opportunity. So if you were to um, follow through on the, uh, or, or follow the example um, respective of, of the uh, uh, community in, 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 in Mississippi that, um, uh, that doesn't um, uh, perhaps have the, the connectivity that uh, would be desired, an HBCU representing that community would be equally impacted. This is not uh, something that is uh, initiated out of the college or university itself. Uh, this is community uh, infrastructure that the school would need to um, leverage. Uh, technology is present uh, there, but the types of investments that <clears throat> 
the University of perhaps of, of Nebraska and, and, and some other uh, very large state institutions can apply uh, to that type of, of opportunity is, is not um, necessarily present at the same level um, at, at an HBCU. But what we are trying to address with uh, a part of the uh, broadband initiative uh, that we're discussing today is, in fact, ensuring that the infrastructure within the community is sufficient so that <clears throat> these schools uh, and, and hospitals and perhaps other entities, uh, but particularly the schools operating as, as hubs within the community, can in fact leverage connectivity to then in fact build upon it to enhance uh, their campus environment so that you can have that type of opportunity uh, within the classrooms and research centers and other and, and other areas. So it's it's not that HBCUs are necessarily deficient, but they are undersourced and um, most have uh, um, uh, tuition that is somewhat less than the other schools. So their availability to just invest equitably is not necessarily on par, but if we can in fact uh, be successful in getting the infrastructure within the community itself enhanced and this type of connectivity and this type of asset that we're talking about will go a long way to establishing a foundation by which we can build upon to ensure then that that type of expectation can be fulfilled uh, in the next few years. And if I'm understanding from everything that I've read and, and, ha and having had the Air.U folks on the show, in a situation such as uh, Pianchi described with his with his mom, if there's a college in an area and the area isn't currently being served by Internet access, that the partnership, the Air.U partnership is trying to have the college working together with, say, local businesses, the local constituents, and maybe an outside provider, an outside funder, some sort of additional partner that would come and then with this group together create an infrastructure that's affordable, which is why wireless is being looked at, you know, as not opposed to probably in addition to fiber, say, you know, because fiber is more expensive, but creating uh, wireless networks using the university as the hub but also as a partner. And it is the strength of the partnerships that each college develops will have it will determine whether how much the people such as um would be able to take advantage of or connected to the internet. Right, no, absolutely. Um again the opportunity that we're um uh, promoting uh, respective of, of white space and these broadband channels uh have an impact of sixty to eighty miles. Um, from the central source, if you will, and again, using the <clears throat> the HPCU as a as a hub, um, that opportunity will provide a degree of connectivity uh, that um, will, we hope, um, be a, again a, a a lever, if you will, an enabler that will bring the community um, uh, into more, if you will, into the information age that will then spur additional investment and uh, that cascading effect <clears throat> will provide the uh, community as a whole within 60, 80 miles uh, initially of having the type of opportunity and the type of exposure, the type of leverage, the type of impact, if you will. These are voters. Um, these are voters within the state and um, investment oftentimes breeds additional investment as the return on investment satisfies those that are um, uh, putting up funds and other resources. So the opportunity is there, and, and there are many, many, many examples where there's a dividing line, if you will, oftentimes a highway, and one side of the, the highway um, is a community, uh, a county, if you will, that uh, has requisite infrastructure. And uh, the other side perhaps represents a county that doesn't. Uh, HBCUs sometimes find themselves uh, in the county that doesn't. But 
the ideas are there, the desire is there, the capability is there. What we need to provide is the foundation, again, that they uh, can leverage as a community that will breed uh, further investment, allowing them to provide the level of services that meet the expectations that were described. Um, again, the capability is not there yet because the infrastructure doesn't always support it, but certainly the idea and the capacity to provide those services exist with the requisite infrastructure in place, which has to start at some point. We feel this is a good opportunity to begin the connectivity and the information access that would fuel further discussion, dialogue, and make the case passionately for further advocacy to provide the investments to build out to, in fact, then meet these expectations and be able to sustain um, as technology continues to evolve and be able to remain as competitive as one would hope and expect them to be. And one thing too, I wanted to add to uh, Pianchi's comment about, you know, a lot of initiatives come through town and maybe there aren't enough uh, African-American businesses or residents that benefit from them in an economic sense. Uh, one of the things I've put in a lot of my writings in the past is that once these networks go in, there has to be some sort of local coordinated effort by which you turn uh, people at home, maybe they're unemployed, maybe they're underemployed, into entrepreneurs. So you use the technology to allow someone to start a one-person business, and maybe it's just selling knickknacks that they would sell at a church bazaar or something like that. But you, but now that you bring the power of the Internet in, you get those folks online, and then you, you provide additional support, you know, how not, not just how to use the technology and to use Word and so forth, but how to do basic accounting, how to do basic online uh, marketing. There's a place in Vermont that um, – they 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 brought in some some internet technology, but then they had a contest for local businesses to see who could come up with the best uh, website or the best way to use the web to promote their their products. But the, the 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 main the bottom line is the community organizations, uh, be it the church, be it the local government support agencies or what have you, um, created programs that foster people starting their own businesses, making themselves more proficient as professionals, and, um, and, and, and enticing new businesses to, to come to an area. So if this initiative with Air.U is going to be effective, there has to be um, local folks willing to take advantage of the connectivity to put folks online and, and and through one way form or another, get them the economic uh, uh, acumen to be able to um, become then an economic force. And that's my perspective, you know, from what I've seen in a lot of other places. And you guys may have a, a different take on that, or agree that maybe that is what needs to happen. No, that 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 is very that that is very consistent. Um, with uh, the thought, and, and this is, in fact, a, a, a collaboration. Um, <clears throat> again, we're talking about uh, specifically uh, schools as hubs of the community, but this would clearly uh, have the local legislation, legislation involved. Uh, we're looking at, uh, as you point out, uh, increasing the uh, business and employment acronym, um, uh, folks uh, can have uh, potentially uh, Internet-related jobs. Um, that's going to impact employment, uh, impact, impact your, your, your tax base, uh, if you will, spawning further uh, investment. There are teaching aids and other opportunities. You're looking at uh, opportunities within the healthcare sector, public safety, uh, being able to affect uh, individuals with disabilities, uh, senior citizens. Uh, again, it's a cascading uh, effect, and uh, it's a collaboration that uh, will have uh, business models associated with it that uh, go beyond just uh, doing it perhaps because it's the right thing to do. This is an opportunity to 
provide uh, resources for underserved communities and, and, and getting those communities to a place where they can begin to contribute and receive resources mm -hmm. and provide contributions back accordingly, uh, similar to any other community. So uh, the opportunity for trans transportation to be impacted, uh, insurance rates uh, can be impacted, uh, employment rates can be impacted. Again, you can improve your tax base, which uh, spawns other uh, investment uh, opportunities. Telemedicine, if you will, uh, can impact insurance as folks become more cognizant and more aware of uh, uh, medical needs and opportunities and, and to be insured. and, and and to understand uh, opportunities in that in that regard, so it's not a quick fix, but it is certainly one where it has a community feel, and would take a community uh, uh, impact to be sustainable. And uh, again, that would involve uh, the legislative community, which we are engaging with uh, as well. So yes, it it involves a very robust, um, sustainable drive with, with associated advocacy that will show the benefits as they begin to reach fruition um, as, again, uh, the access itself and, and the impact of the surrounding community starts to provide the benefits uh, that we think it can. So, uh, Pianca, did we answer your questions sufficiently uh, there? Well, yeah, somewhat. And this whole idea about hubs, brings to mention that uh, an organization I know in Kansas City, Missouri uh, has a facility called the W.E.D. Du Bois Learning Center. And there for at least maybe a decade and a half, they have had used that facility as a hub, have a transmitter there where in the surrounding area, the city proper, they have satellites that have a computer monitoring keyboard where students can access the data center at the learning center, which contains the you know accounting programs, word programs, spreadsheets, history, and so on and so on. Students who don't have the opportunity to have computers at home, and uh, you know that has been going on for quite some time. So this whole concept is a very viable one and very much needed, but. Uh, you know, it uh, it just has to be put in effect, and it has to be broadened, as I said before. The, we need to produce more businesses in our community than what we have presently. It's very sad that we don't have that control over the things that we consume in these mega. You, I think someone mentioned Mississippi. I think uh, in 18 counties in West Mississippi, I think the African population is a majority, but uh, when you look at the amount of produce and manufactured the GDP of those counties are not controlled by the people that's doing most of the consumption. So I'm going to hang up and uh, continue listening on the uh, chat room. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. You know, I want to say that community community learning centers and, and community, uh, computer uh, learning centers are, as you pointed out, something that's been in play for quite a while. Um, here is an opportunity, again, to perhaps leverage an asset to further enhance their availability and capacity. Uh, they are centers not only for learning, but um, there's been quite um, an engagement of, with the senior citizen community, voter registration, again, telemedicine, uh, as well as um, video conferencing and, and quite a, a number of other uh, aspects of, of service that they can provide to a broader community. Uh, hubs have been at HBCUs and, and for health healthcare centers um, and, and clinics, but it's something, again, that, that is out there, and here's an opportunity to further leverage it. Again, yet still two communities that heretofore perhaps have not been able to take advantage of those. Mm -hmm. So let me ask this question. Um, you know, off and on you see stories or read about or hear anecdotally about um, tensions between small towns and colleges. You know, there's uh, – it doesn't even matter the type of college. I mean, just sort of an across-the-board. If you're in a small town, people say, well, we love the university, but, they, you know, they, they don't like the university for this reason and, and, and so on. Is 
number one, is that a real thing? Is that or is it just sort of more isolated than not? But then uh, on the flip side, you know, of the, of the company of the colleges that are um, your um, within your network, uh, how do they foster better, closer, you know, productive relationships with the um, the, the local community? Well, I do think that there's some, um, you know, there's some some truth to that contention. Uh, probably to the degree uh, that's going to be more on an on an individualized basis, um, how the community uh, uh, accepts a, a a school or university and how it fits in into the community. Again, with HBCUs, uh, uh, you need to go back to their founding, um, <clears throat> what they were chartered uh, to achieve. Uh, the position that they have played uh, within the community very often um, aligned right with the uh, with the black church uh, in 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 some of these rural communities uh, respective of the African American population. So um, they've oftentimes uh, been the only school of, of of opportunity as well as perhaps a principal employer. Uh, their scope has been um, pretty broad uh, in the African-American community, and it's been embedded over decades. So um, I, I wouldn't um, uh, suspect that the type of tension that you've mentioned is as prevalent, respective of, of HBCUs, as you might find um, um, elsewhere. But very often <clears throat> you will find that the board of directors um, uh, of these schools are, are, are pretty local uh, as far as local businesses are concerned. Um, the major donors are, are pretty much uh, a local and uh, often uh, you're going to find uh, uh, alumna uh, of the schools. So to the extent that they have been representative of the community and the community representative of the school, I think there is a closer alignment uh, where again, this type of opportunity will find a champion and a sponsor, and perhaps less tension. The viability of the school is a byproduct of the viability of the community, and 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 in some regard, vice versa. Uh, the two go hand in hand um, as far as um, the success of these types of programs are concerned. Uh, what the school uh, can be taken advantage to do is clearly in this regard for the broader community. It's it's not to improve just the, the life on the campus, and, and it couldn't uh, as an isolated entity. Uh, it's, it's for the employment base uh, of the surrounding community, the legislative uh, base of the surrounding community as well. So I think that tension, while there and perhaps is, is, is natural for any principal employer and principal entity within a small community, and we are talking rural, small communities for the most part, I do think that there is a stronger align, alignment and bond because of the historical precedent that the schools um, and, and have served uh, since their initial founding and would be um, strong partners and advocates, if you will, to uh, advocate uh, for this going forward and, and, and be able to provide the results if you will, from a community and school perspective that would, again, um, uh, establish the foundation for broader and sustainable investment to keep the momentum going and to build upon the successes. Mm -hmm. Have you seen from any of your member colleges uh, any particular uses of broadband technology that have stood out, you know, as being really, you know, Super effective, super cool, you know, sort of outside the norm. Well, I mean, there there are <laughs> examples. Some have been mentioned. Um, most are associated with um, looking uh, at the um, K to 12 uh, population, um, introducing um, elementary, middle school uh, uh, kids to <clears throat> uh, aspects of, of technology. Um, <clears throat> helping senior citizens um, oftentimes with uh, some health care needs and, and access um, in a public safety arena, uh, aligning with the um, local uh, uh, hospital that may be in a broader or a larger ur um, urban setting 
but establishing annexes, if you will, within the local community and using broadband as a part of connectivity to that. Uh, voter registration has been um, a big part of uh, providing uh, access and, and, and information for uh, oftentimes online uh, voter registration. But by far, I think the greatest use to date has been in exposing uh, the kids in the, in the K-12 um, uh, population um, to um, technology and uh, giving them access and broadening their exposure on possibilities and, and what can be. Um, there are uh, quite a few um, efforts underway to expand the educational experience at the university level in distance and online, but um, that that is, is still ongoing and again requires significant investment. But I think the greatest successes right now are in the elementary middle school areas um, providing, uh, again, access and also allowing uh, these centers to often operate as computer labs where <clears throat> some of the equipment is not otherwise available um, within the home. So it's it's kind of the last mile of sorts within the greater community, but experienced at the university itself as, again, that, that hub. Mm-hmm. Now, the um, one thing that set the uh, Air.U announcement apart from the Gig.U announcement was Air.U, you know, coming right out saying, okay, we're going to, we're advocates of wireless and particular use of unlicensed spectrum TV white space in large part because that technology represents um, the ability to make wireless more po- more powerful, go further, reach further, uh, be less expensive to build. So you know, it had a lot of it had a lot to offer it. And I see wireless as you know, you can use it with your smartphone, you can use it with your laptop or desktop. Now I say all that to bring up you know one of the interesting demographics, which is. Um, African Americans and Hispanics tend to be uh, the populations using smartphones in larger numbers than anyone else. And I'm wondering, do you see the use of of smartphones as sort of the primary computing tool? Is that a good thing or a bad thing that we are buying more of these than anyone else? Well, <clears throat> I think first we have to accept the reality that that, that is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the question is how do we leverage that? Um, what do we learn from it? What can we distill from it that um, uh, can further um, it, enhance uh, that fact into something that is, um, you know, ad- advantageous? Um, mobile technology, um for any number of reasons, uh, yes, has has seen it caught on, if you will, in the African American Hispanic community. About 70% of the applications accessed are done from uh, mobile devices. Uh, that's a reality. Um, that's a population on the go, um, and um, th- there are perhaps many reasons behind that. But I do think that <clears throat> the opportunity to um, leverage uh, mobile technology uh, anywhere, anytime access is something that uh, uh, can be um, uh, advantageous um, if intentional uh, in its um, leverage. Um, it is uh, there today. So how do we best uh, communicate with this uh, mobile population, if you will, um, and, and provide the ready access and the applications um, necessary. I think the major providers are working diligently to see how to expand capacity within not only the smartphone but the tablet markets as well. Um, these are going to be single devices for the most part that will be uh, anywhere, everywhere. So I don't, I don't see it as, as bad. Um, there are some, you know, ongoing security concerns out there and, and uh, capacity issues with regard to the robustness uh, of these devices. But here you have a situation where market demand is, is, is dictating, you know, reaction to it. Uh, I don't know that that was the intentional outcome. 
but certainly uh, we find ourselves uh, looking at this right now and how do we better uh, provide, again, the, the access uh, with the requisite security, if you will, for a population that uh, wants the uh, technology with them uh, on the move. Um, it's a it's a single um, it's a single connectivity, uh, as opposed to perhaps going into the home where you would uh, maybe expect a a, a broader um, collaboration of the use of that technology. This is more one on one, single, private to some extent. Um, again, I'm sure reasons for that, but. I do think uh, there are opportunities that uh, we should be looking at as to how best leverage this and ensure that the um, access, if you will, is, is, is there. And if you think about that, again, and you go back to the rural communities and the population that we're addressing, uh, where that access is not readily available and as robust, at least from a student perspective, can impact um, whether or not <clears throat> they choose to attend these schools, and if you're looking at uh, workers, uh, can impact uh, where workers might choose to uh, to relocate to support a local business. So, you know, given that, we have to learn from it and see how to best leverage that expectation uh, from an investment standpoint to ensure that the uh, lifestyle, if you will, uh, is complementary to having that technology and the access for it uh, traveling with the individual at all times. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you bridge? Um, I don't. I don't see you know, smartphones as a bad thing in and of themselves. But I also look at the fact that smartphones, by default of their size and their capacity, allow you to get maybe ten, fifteen percent of the full application's value. In other words, the, the screens have had to be modified, the amount of data that can be brought on board is modified, your ability to manipulate it because you're working with a small keypad, you know, limits the amount of you know, like you're not going to write your college dissertation on a smartphone. But how do you bridge from you know, you've 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 got a population that is adopting the smaller devices but you have a sort of a business reality where you're going to need larger machines, I mean, like, you know, physically larger machines and, you know, the capacity as well, um, in order to do what we'll call, they're called, serious computing. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's like a bridge here. I'm not sure we sort of see it. People see this as a bridge or they see it as the end, you know, I've got my smartphone, now I'm set for life kind of thing. Well, uh, again, I, I don't think the um, you know capacity in and of itself of the delivery mechanism is a, a technology challenge or a technological challenge. Um, again, I, I think market demand will uh, spur the requisite investment to make those as functional and to provide the features that the that the market requires. Um, these mm-hmm. delivery mechanisms, be it smartphone, tablets, um, they're going to be more robust, as you as you now know, uh, within your automobile. Uh, you're going to have some projection capability so that um, uh, you can, uh, you know, provide the requisite screens and, and even the um, virtual keyboards kind of anywhere. Um, the technology has that capability today. Um, this can be a receptacle, if you will, but it need not be the entire um, functional delivery mechanism in and of itself. So there are capabilities that would um, allow a more robust interaction. Uh, the question is, um, you know, affordability of them. And, uh, again, from a business model perspective, <clears throat> what... Uh, is the return on that investment uh, going to be? Is is this for social use, or are we looking at more as as business use and business applications? And and if so, is that an expectation within a a mobile uh, environment? Uh, is it business app or or more po- personal and, and and social media connected? But I do think that uh, market demand will uh, create if you will, the opportunity for reduction in cost as well as uh, the robust offerings, some of which I, I, I mentioned. But there, uh, 
again, there are capabilities now for projections from these small devices and virtual screens. Um, you can draw down um, uh, applications, uh, uh, cloud technology associated with the more capability um, in, in order to be more functional, but uh, to what end is a question, and, and when might they be as affordable in mass? Uh, as technology suggests, uh, uh, the opportunities are. But I think market demand will 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 dictate that, and those expectations will will be met in in short order. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the um, if you get fifty people in a room that are in the industry called broadband, you will often find that there will be you know group, and then there will be a wireline group. And everyone is sort of like it, it can almost become like a holy war, you know. The, the wireless folks say they are the way, and you know, the way to better broadband, and and everything else is going to fall short. Particularly when you get to rural areas and small towns, because of the cost of fiber. On the flip side, the fiber folks say, well, you know, ultimately in the end, it's all going to be about fiber, you know, because we're going to need it. That's what's going to enable because of the the weaknesses of the wireless capacity. Um, do you see a clear path um, as you look at how things are unfolding, you know, with your initial talks with Air.U and your your conversations with the colleges, your member colleges and so forth, is there um, a sense of some sort of path from that, from wireless to wireline? Does, you know, do people see this as a stepping stone? Do they see wireless as the the end point? Once we got that, then we're we're good to go. Well, I, I don't know many that feel it's the end point. Um, it is certainly a stepping stone, and it might be a very, a very large uh, stepping stone, but but not envisioned as the as the end point. This is a very valuable asset, uh, this space that we're talking about to uh, acquire. Um, but I don't think uh, many feel that it's the it's the end point. Uh, technology will continue to evolve. Uh, delivery mechanisms mechanisms will continue to mature and, and, and expectations will um you know dictate how robust uh these are. The affordability question is being addressed as we speak. It's becoming more affordable. Um rural communities in and of themselves are becoming more connected. You're you're getting returns uh on these uh in investments. Um the uh stated broadband channels are becoming more broadband. They're they're more mechanisms vis-a-vis channels available to provide uh, data content and and other information streams so i think it's a a a significant point in time i would not uh, consider it an an end point a significant point in time but but not an end point um this this is a global market and uh, as we think about within the contents of, of the continental United States, there are certain limitations that we're speaking toward. But in a global environment, um, this will continue to evolve and, and mature to take advantage of uh, the entire spectrum, if you will, uh, available for um, access and, and information exchange. Mm-hmm. Do you see any um, particular policies, either at the federal level or the state level, that are in place or should be in place that will facilitate the um, the, the this this uh, Air.U initiative? Well, <clears throat> those that come uh, immediately come to to play are um, incentives for the providers. Uh, again, that that's not often, uh, you know, favored. Um, providing uh, financial incentives, um, discounts, if you will, to perhaps some of the tax base and tax requirements. But you certainly want to incent these providers to continue to um, invest. I think uh, the requisite equipment, if you will, that needs to be in play and in place uh, in order to take advantage of some of what we've talked about. Uh, perhaps uh, needs to have uh, subsidies applied to make it more immediately affordable. Uh, we talk and, and we are looking at uh, access within the underserved, unserved, and rural communities. 
that in and of itself doesn't make it affordable. So I do think that there are opportunities to address federal policy respective of subsidies, uh, tax credits, and certain tax breaks, if you will, for those that um, are impacted and choose to uh, acquire uh, some of these um, some of these resources. And I, I think that's um, you know what I would concentrate on. There are many, many, many factors out there. Uh, but I do think that uh, this is part a a, a a business community a solution to be solved. And in order to incent business to be more involved and to continue their level of involvement, oftentimes you need to meet them where they live. And where they live is pocketbook. And, and until it gets a, to a point where they're getting a return on investment from the end user uh, community as well as the, the respective um, other <clears throat> advertising or, or, or partners or, or what their supplemental funding base is, I do think that <clears throat> subsidies can play a more significant role in um, helping spur the investment to, to keep this moving along. Mm-hmm. Now, we've got about three minutes or so left. So in the end, a number of the colleges uh, in your network are in states where there are anti municipal network laws, meaning that if a community government wanted to own the network and the public utility wanted to start a network, they'd have trouble doing so. Do you expect to have any of those laws become uh, a problem in any of the colleges that you're involved with? These are challenges. These are challenges. And, you know, one of the, uh, uh, you know, efforts underway, of course, here is advocacy. And we spoke earlier about uh, ensuring the legislative uh, uh, contingent, if you will, uh, was involved uh, in the discussion. Um, At the end of the day, we are talking about citizens. We're talking about uh, end users that are uh, uh, um, voters, if you will, and we're talking about communities within the country. And um, I I think that uh, we will need to advocate where appropriate Um, to have uh, modifications to some of these uh, provisions uh, that would make uh, execution and implementation more um, challenging. Um, I I do think that uh, as we uh, uh, embrace, if you will, and and solicit uh, support from the community itself, grassroots, if you will, as as well as grass tops, that, um, you know, we, we have to be prepared for some of those fights. Um, and, and to the extent that we can advocate successfully not only for the community's involvement, but, but also to um, uh, perhaps ease the pain, if you will, on some of the um, providers that are supporting these bills, uh, some of the utilities perhaps within the municipalities. Uh, you know, we, we need to address it at a business model um, uh, um, perspective, again, where they live. It will be challenging, but I do think that um, as you are looking at uh, overall helping the community and the community itself uh, being voters will, in fact, um, provide more resources out, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, think it's, I, think, I certainly think it's winnable. Um, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, situations, a lot of these ordinances, if you will, have not been challenged. Uh, there's not been a need to challenge. There's not been the opportunity there to challenge them on. So as this becomes more and more prevalent, um, I do think that um, we certainly can get beyond uh, these hurdles, although they will be there. I do think the case has been made. The discussion is robust. And at the end of the day, um, this needs to be affordable and provided so that all residents of all communities can experience uh, an equitable uh, opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. In an information age, I think that's a winnable argument. We will advocate uh, uh, strongly for it, and I think we'll prevail overall. And as successes um, become reality, <clears throat> I think those fights will become less and less challenging in in other markets. Keep in mind that a lot of the providers that we're talking about are, are national, so. Uh, we might be uh, engaged with one or two or three providers in five or six or eight or ten states, but a success in one, we hope, will have a cascading impact in the others. 
Great. Well, I'm going to have to, um, to to close up here, though there's a lot more we could talk about, and I hope that we'll have an opportunity in the future, you know, as these as the Air.U program unfolds, you know, to come back and talk some more about how it's unfolding. And so thank you again, uh, Robert, for your time and your insights and, and observations about what's going on. Uh, our audience definitely appreciates this kind of uh, this kind of feedback. My pleasure, and we appreciate uh, the show bringing attention to it. Excellent, excellent. And thank you to our audience for tuning in this week. Uh, definitely check in on Thursday. We're going to be covering the Google announcement in Kansas City. So thank you, audience. Thank you, Hiawatha Broadband Communications, for being a sponsor of our show. And we'll talk to everybody next show. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.